Welcome back, everybody. Episode number 59 of the Rooted in Logos podcast. My name is Brad. I am joined, unfortunately, not by Austin today. We were going to have a special guest and Austin on, but he is a little under the weather today, so he has taken some time to rest and relax. He had a really busy weekend this weekend. Mm -hmm. So stepping in to the role of co-host is the man, the myth, the legend, Simon Peter. The first. Simon Peter the first. Oh, man, I like that. <laughs> yeah, my baby's name is uh, Simon Peter the second. Yeah. So. Not junior, by the way. I made Not that ju- mistake. And I How got dare you? Uh, it, right there. I don't but. want to offend any podcast listeners that are a junior or have named their child junior. My child is not a junior, though. It is the second and uh, sets him up beautifully for Simon Peter the third, which is, which is, which is ultimately the goal. The right? goal. That yeah. is the goal. Being the first or second isn't as cool as the next, like, however many. After that, so, it's really great. you have to hope that your son has the same ego as you, then, to name after. <laughs> <laughs> I have to hope that he's a huge narcissist. I've asked people. I'm totally kidding, by the a way. a huge fear of mine. I've, like, talked to people. I'm like, what do you think of people that, like, name their kids after them? Are they, like bad people do they think entirely of themselves i think i think i draw the line where you tattoo the word senior on your back like jersey style yeah that becomes a little Mm, little odd to me because of tattoos and how bad they are tattoos are the worst yeah you shouldn't get them ever (laughs) anyway (laughs) (laughs) no there's a lot of pressure with your first son where you're like this is why I was rooting to have a daughter, by the way, was like, the, with your first son, it's like, that's your only opportunity to name the child after you with the second, which is something I wanted to do. Right. But, yeah. Well, because it, if you had two sons, you named your first son Billy. Exactly. And then your second son, you named him after yourself. That first son's going to be like, what the heck, dude? Exactly. Come on. <laughs> it's a little bit of an office reference there, if you <laughs> like the deep cuts. All, all right, right, cool. I've only seen The Office all the way through, like, one and a half times, so. Wow. Weak. I, well, I know, it's not my favorite. Yeah. It's good. So, anyway, we're at episode number fifty-nine. I'm excited to have Simon Congrats on, here on fifty-nine today. episodes, by hey, the way. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we're that's way more than I thought it might have gone to. Whenever I first heard about it, hey, so we're, we're dedicated. Over a year of podcasting, if not you listen, quite once a week. Yeah, you it feels once, once a week. A week yeah. Over a year of podcasting, mm-hmm. which is which is really great. One year ago today, we recorded our test episode, the fake episode. Yeah, which will never be seen. It will never be aired. Yeah, I still have it. But it will never be. If we get up to 2,000 <laughs> subscribers, we will release it. Yeah. Well, no. Actually, if we get to 1,000 downloads in one week, we might. I might release it. But, that's, a, uh, that's a promise. Go back to this episode. Yeah. 1,000 1, downloads, downloads in a week. In a week. We're going to release the just one of the worst things that you could maybe imagine. I mean, it was legit. <laughs> we, we sat there. We talked about like what we would call it, what we would name it. It was just for me to learn how to edit. It's the only reason why I did it. Mm-hmm. And it it was about an hour and a half of just pure nonsense. Right. And like I said, it will not get released. <laughs> and this is the reason that Austin won't podcast with me anymore is because of the, the rents that we go on. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm retiring two of your podcast hosts <laughs> at this point. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. It's good to have someone in the bullpen mm-hmm. ready to come out and be yeah. the closer, you know. Mm-hmm. Throw we're taking some, a break. Throw some from, heat. We're taking a break from Romans today. We are. You're almost, you're which, almost done there. Which only have one episode yeah. of that left. And Brad and I, like, I texted Brad like a few different episodes that like, if it's just the two of us, I want it like 
These are some like really useless things that we can talk about that we don't need Austin for. And we're not doing any of those today. Well, we have it, to t- do some legwork on this. The one. only reason why we're not doing that is because it was a day of decision yeah. for Austin not to ma- come right. in today. He, he mm-hmm. said he was trying to power through and just couldn't make it. So no big deal there. But yeah, no, we have some kind of interesting ones that are just goofy. Right. That I think we'll end up doing as bonus episodes. My or, passion. Just, um, just, just totally goofy. <laughs> and, and I, you know... Th- that comes with some of the bigger ideas that I have for this and for what I want to do, yeah. you know, coming out of this podcast. But, I, I, you know, it's a matter of finding the time. Exactly. Honestly. Like, it just mm-hmm. one episode a week takes two days for mm-hmm. me. It takes two days out of my week, which is fine. I'm not, it's not a complaint by any means. Yeah. But when I have school and mm-hmm. all that other nonsense, it, it just, it's, yeah, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I want to every now and then play golf. Right. So, mm-hmm. which I'm doing tomorrow. Congrats on that. Yeah, I'm excited. I didn't get invited to that game, which is good. I'm, I'm not very good. So, so yeah. today, like Simon kind of alluded to, we're not doing anything goofy. We're actually going to go through... Ro- no, we're going to go through Hebrews chapter 11. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go through what's called the Hall of Faith, people. Or the Hall of Works, if you're a Calvinist. Wow. A-O. Wow. I wrote that. You wrote that? <laughs> I'm, prepared. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. It's I know. A, it's a very deep cut. You don't have to think about it. Look. <laughs> We're not going into that conversation. <laughs> that is on my list of topics to get to, and it is going to take me not being in school to get to those right. topics, because I want to know for sure how I'm feeling about it. I want to be able to present a strong case. I also want to come up with someone who doesn't believe the same way I do, but mm. but has well, a strong... Well, no, but has a strong grasp of, of things, and it's mm. not just emotion. It's, it's like, okay, here's why I don't believe, you know, logically right. and whatever and, we, and have a discussion but that's neither here nor there that's months down the road that's for when i have 500 downloads in a week maybe we oh, can get into that yes but we have, we have goals i'm at like 50 right now so which is great awesome. no i'm, ama- I'm, I'm so awesome. happy with it but we're at like 74 75 facebook followers we're kind of climbing we're getting, we're getting climbing there. the charts we're getting and, huge. Well, you, um, got, you and austin are invited to speak somewhere yeah i yeah. have 21 Reviews on Apple Music now. All, all five stars. All five stars. Oof. Haven't made too many people mad yet. There we go. And, the, and the, or if we have, they is just is that a goal? Didn't tell them. The goal should us. be to make a few more people mad. Let's no, do I that like today. making people mad, but let's do that today. I need the reviews not to <laughs> not to reflect <laughs> the anger. <laughs> so today, Hebrews chapter eleven. Uh, we're going to kind of do similar to what Austin and I do. We're going to read it and just kind of break it down. Not necessarily verse by verse today. I think we're going to kind of hit a few of the characters that we find more interesting and more intriguing. And then Simon brought up to me a question mm. about this particular passage that I really liked, because it actually goes hand in hand with one of the papers I've been writing and working on. And so we'll, we're going to get into that toward the end of this and, and have a discussion on A really the... important question for like oh, absolutely. faith in general. Yeah, so we're, we'll dive into that too. Mm-hmm. So it won't be quite as rigid as the Roman study has been, but we're looking forward to kind of diving into this. And I always, I always like having Simon on, you know, that's good to hear. Maybe we'll get him under contract or something. Sometime. Do it. Yeah. So, all right. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read until I decide I want to stop. And then you take over for me. Do it. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen for by it, the people of old received their commendation by faith. We understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, 
through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars in the heavens, and as many as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. I'm struggling. It's on you now. You go. Yeah, that's a lot of words. That's a lot of words. It's a 40 verse passage. That's why we're not breaking each one of these down. Right off the bat, Hebrews 11, 1. It's a great one to memorize. It's a great one to just right off the cuff because faith is essential. Faith is literally essential to our faith. And according to Ephesians and, and multiple scriptures, faith is essential to salvation. We don't earn salvation, but it's how we sort of receive salvation is through faith. And so Hebrews 11, 1, right off the bat, you're going to have a few different translations for that, but faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. We hope for God and we are certain that God is real. I always go back to Jesus saying it is more blessed to be those who believed without seeing yeah. than it to says be... that to Thomas. Yeah. So yeah, he says it to Thomas. Thomas sees he puts his hands in the side, puts his uh, hands in the holes in Jesus' hands, and Jesus is like, even more blessed are those who did not see, which would be us. And not that I have a problem with people that go around and try to prove Christianity through science or archaeology or scripture. Like, however you want to prove Jesus, it's fine. Like, it's awesome that you're working to do that. Then we are, at one point, removing an aspect of faith from that. And I think it's very dangerous to start getting so caught up in that kind of stuff. Just like there's no way to prove that God does not exist, there is no way to prove he does with well, 100% certainty. He could show up. Uh, of course, he that's, could show that's up. That's kind of the, like the caveat. That will, but, yeah. but that will be... But as it stands right now, <laughs> yeah. barring divine physical intervention right. where we see him physically, mm -hmm. there's no way to, with 100% certainty, prove that he exists or doesn't exist. Right. So in both camps, faith is involved. There's right. an element of faith. Mm -hmm. And so you, that's exactly right. No matter what you seek to prove, no matter mm -hmm. the archaeology, how, how much it does point back to the Bible, how much these events are backed up as historical yeah. events, for the most part, we, we yeah. have... A lot of evidence yeah. to support that. There's always going to be an element of faith. Always. Yeah. There has to be. I mean, you Which have... is great. That's yeah. not a problem. Some no. people are like, oh, you you have to have faith in these, these things. Like, you're an idiot if you have to have faith. Like, God commends us for having faith. It's the one central attribute that you need to have is faith in God and Jesus as your Savior. And yeah, it's and I mean, we'll kind of talk about it more, but it's a thing that 
we're trying to remove as well is is a need for faith. And I think too zealous of evangelicals are trying to remove the need for faith by things like the creation museum. Like, oh, we can prove with science that that the earth is this old and like that was created in six days, which is great. If we can prove with science that that's awesome. But faith is still an important factor. And then saying none of the Old Testament was true or none of it mattered or, or miracles can't happen. Like, okay, then what do we have faith in at that point? If we don't believe that miracles can happen, then what do we have faith in? Right. Well, you look at even like the reformers, like Martin Luther, mm-hmm. who through his teachings and his studies and his writings, we have those five solas, mm-hmm. the, the five solas of, of the Reformation, yeah. one of them being sola fide, faith alone. Mm-hmm. It is one of the five pillars of Christianity, so to speak, of like, it is through faith alone we're saved. Mm-hmm. Through faith alone. It's the only way. It's it's believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you will be saved. Yeah. That's it. That's faith. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what it is. And then everything else falls into place because of that faith. And yes, sometimes God brings just this divine revelation to you that says, oh my gosh, he is real, and something happens. You have a miracle take place you know, within your family, and you're like, oh my gosh, that that had to be God. Like, there's no other explanation other than God. Sometimes that's what it takes. Other times it's just a matter of, you know, someone just eventually realizes, hey, mm-hmm. like God just pokes them enough and is like, oh my gosh, hey, there's something to this. Yeah. I may not be able to explain it all, but there's something mm-hmm. to this. Strive to be the type of guy who doesn't need a miracle to believe in God. Right. That's really, that's really like the basis of Jesus saying, blessed are you who don't see and, and believe. Like, strive to be the type of guy who doesn't need a miracle, that doesn't need archaeology, that's like, I have the scripture, I have the Holy Spirit, that's good, I get it. And there's something to that. There's definitely more of a blessing to that for whatever reason. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that stood out to me, verse 7, so it's talking about Noah, by faith, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Awesome. And we all agree that was an act of faith. Noah had to have faith in God to build that ark and put in what had to be the prime of his life, building that thing by himself. He had to have faith that God had a plan for that big old wooden boat. The second half of this is a little bit more interesting. By his faith, he condemned the world. By faith, who condemned the world? It doesn't seem like God. I have a lowercase h on mine. And yeah. with context, it's, by faith, Noah condemned the world, which is very interesting. Does your translation say anything a little different that shines any light on that? It just says, by this, he condemned the world. By this, he condemned the world. Okay, so, so maybe it's a little bit different. But just thinking about the idea that by faith, we have to be able to condemn things. Yeah. Right? Like, Well, it, it, I think what this is doing is it is pointing out that that Noah tried to warn the people of his day. Mm. They tried to warn him and say, hey, mm. this judgment's coming. You all need to be ready. Repent. Yeah. Turn from your evil ways. Turn mm-hmm. from your ways. Turn back to God. Repent. You know, and, and I think in Noah's mind, yes, he's being obedient. He is building the ark, and he's also sharing mm-hmm. what God is about to do. And in Noah's mind, he's probably thinking, okay, if I can convince these people and they turn away, then maybe God relents, and he doesn't flood the earth and, and kill everyone but his family. Interesting, yeah. And and so that's what he, you know, Noah condemned the world because he basically gave them an out. He said, here's your chance to avoid this. And they didn't take it. Yeah. And just thinking about the idea of having enough faith to condemn things. Are you at, at that spot where you have enough faith where you're, where you see something that is evil biblically or evil, maybe in your case, morally or, or a conviction over evilness. And you're like, 
hey, actually, that's wrong. I have faith in God that that's wrong. I'm not going to have any part with that. Yeah. And I think to kind of expound on that, I think it, it doesn't take a lot for Christians to look at some of the things that we've discussed in our previous episodes when it comes to like the sexualization of our kids, when it mm. comes to what they're being indoctrinated with, when it comes to Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that, there are times where it's kind of easy for us as Christians to say, hey, this this isn't right, and we can speak out against yeah. it. But do you have the faith to speak out against these things when it's really difficult, not only from a cultural standpoint, but from like, it might cost you something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So like, for example, you know, I think of when I was helping run a restaurant, they decided to do a gay pride night. Mm. And I was running the bar that night, and I told my boss, I said, none of my sales are going to go towards this. Mm-hmm. Any sales that I ring in, any sales that I collect money for, are not going to go toward this. And I got taken off the schedule and threatened to be fired. Now, I didn't get right. fired right then. I got fired a little bit later. But I do think that was part of it. And that was not a pat on the back for me by any means, but that was one of those moments where, hey, I'm going to stand up for this because it goes mm-hmm. against what I believe, and this yeah. might actually cost me something. Yeah. There have been times where I didn't do that, did the opposite, and just went along because right. I didn't want to, you know, lose anything or be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, are you willing to do what Noah did, and in the face of, you know, obviously a ton of ridicule, a world of ridicule, a world of ridicule, <laughs> against still, everyone, again, yeah, still Noah stand for the, the truth. Yeah, you know, we we talk about persecution and how persecution in, in the states and in, in the West definitely looks different than persecution in China. Or yeah. in Iraq or, or in Saudi Arabia, some of these mm-hmm. countries that are very hostile to Christianity to the point of death, you know, yeah. arrest, arresting, put in jail, and, and, and killed. We, here in the West, face a different kind of persecution. Mm-hmm. Social ostracization, right? Losing jobs. If you are making money at something, getting deplatformed. Right. Right? They, they take away, YouTube takes away your ability to make money off mm-hmm. of their site. And, yeah. and a lot of people, that's their livelihood. And right. they, they lose that chance. So, are you willing to still stand up for the truth and condemn these things when it costs you a lot? Yeah. Yeah. Noah was. Noah. Noah definitely was. The other interesting thing in Hebrews 11 here that we've read so far, verse 5, we see Enoch was taken from this life so that he could not experience death. This is sort of like the nail in the coffin of the mystery, sort of, of what happened to Enoch. Did he die? Like, Genesis is sort of vague. Like, he he sort of just, like, was no more or something like that. Hebrews is like, he was taken from this life. He did not die. He was taken. Do you have Do you have any speculation? Because you this isn't an, a Hebrews intro at all. Do you have any speculation? Who wrote it? Hebrews? Man, I, I don't know. No speculation. No, not one that I heard that I like, but I'm not going to like back up or anything. It's just like kind of like an interesting thought is uh, Jesus. Okay, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> don't take that as yeah. Just say just say it was Barnabas. I don't know, yeah. but anyway. It, I mean, what people people say. Paul, people say James. I think people pretty definitively say it wasn't Paul. People say it wasn't Paul? Because we would know. Because we have a lot of I mean, Paul's letters to kind d- of back yeah. up how he writes and his intros and greetings and stuff. When I was doing a class on sort of like solo scriptura, like scripture alone, why we, we have to use scripture as our basis for theology, I kind of was like could point out how every single book of the Bible was endorsed by Jesus, except for Hebrews, because I didn't know its author. Which is fine, because Hebrews is a mostly inoffensive book, but it, yeah. it's, you know, would have would have liked to know the author for that one. Yeah. So. <laughs> one of those mysteries. Yeah. That well, we may not, we will never know. This side of heaven. Figure out when we get to heaven. Yeah. So, any, any thoughts on Enoch? 
He has a book out there that we're not supposed to read. <laughs> <laughs> not not in the canon, for sure. Yeah. You know, he was uh, Methuselah's father, okay. right? He lived 365 years. Incredible. Went, lived 300 years after mm-hmm. Methuselah was born. Yeah. I mean, imagine having your dad for 300 years. <laughs> <laughs> Just want the inheritance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, at some point, it's like, come on. Like, how good is your quality of life right now? <laughs> Like at year one ninety, are we still like? Are you still playing golf? Yeah. Like, come on, are you still enjoying life? No. <laughs> you know, it, there is some mystery around Enoch. And, There's a and lot of mystery around Enoch. I even just did a quick Google search just before we started to kind of find some verses that talk about him. And there's like six. Like, there's we're not, in one. Yeah, <laughs> we're in one of them. Like, there's not many. He is not really mentioned a lot. What I kind of just recited is about the extent of knowledge that we have of him, other than that he pleased the Lord. Mm-hmm. He walked with God, and he apparently didn't die. Mm-hmm. One of two people that didn't die that we've been three told three Jesus. Okay, but he did die. He did die. Okay, he came enough. back. He didn't die again, yeah. but he did die once. That's a good point. Elisha didn't die, and then apparently Enoch didn't die. Elijah or Elisha? Elijah. Elijah didn't die because I think you have the, that song always, rattle that he was thrown on the bones of Elisha. Okay, I know, but I always end up thinking of the Rich Mullins song. Okay, he he has a song that says, "When I leave, I want to go out like Elijah." So I'm not <laughs> I'm not gonna steal this guy's thunder. If you want a sort of different recap on the on Hebrews 11, listen to a sermon that Mike Winger does. He's one of like two guys that I really listen to and really take a lot of what they say to heart. Mike Winger is incredible. Listen to his sermon on Hebrews 11. And he points out that he thinks this chapter is typology, which is every example given throughout Hebrews 11 is a sign of Christ in some way, which makes sense because Hebrews 12 sort of starts out that Jesus was the author and perfecter of our faith. So like Enoch, for example, why does this book mention Enoch? We know nothing about Enoch. Why does this mention Enoch? Because he was taken from this life without dying because he pleased God. Who else did that? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you can go through and maybe make those connections yourself, do a little scavenger hunt, or just listen to a sermon. I mean, you look at Abel. Let's go back to Abel. Mm -hmm. And it immediately talks about his sacrifice was Mm -hmm. acceptable to God. Well... Jesus' ultimate sacrifice is acceptable God. It's the only acceptable sacrifice that covers our sin at this point. Right. And Abel was one of the first sacrifices that was mm-hmm. acceptable to God that's at least recorded. Got him killed, of yeah. course, um, <laughs> by his brother. But I, I like that. I, mm-hmm. I've heard that once before. I can't remember where, but I know I've heard that once before, and I really liked it, and I wish mm-hmm. I thought of it today. I mean, there's a, uh, the, another <laughs> one that we've already covered is Sarah birthing Isaac, uh, a miraculous birth. Right, we read about Abraham and Sarah, and how Sarah laughs at God, and you're like, okay, she's not really practicing faith there. Why does Hebrews 11 mention it? Well, not a only miraculous that, birth. Not only does she not does she laugh at God, she mm-hmm. tells Abraham to go sleep with the concubine, right? Because there's no way God's going to do this. She like, might be screwing up the lineage a little bit, right? She's yeah. like, just go, go have, go have relations with her, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, we get Ishmael at that point, yeah. but. Again, she did not have perfect faith. Mm-hmm. Then again, no one mentioned here has perfect faith. Exactly. Obviously, Abraham is mentioned, and he slept with a concubine to get Ishmael. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So no one here has that perfect faith. David is a great example of someone who 
was a murderer and adulterer, but he was a man after God's own heart. Right. And so it's not about being perfect. So I actually like that. I, I do think a, a cool study, and we're not going to do it here, obviously, today, but I think a cool study would be to go through each of these. Maybe this is something we do at some point here. And talk about, of course, why they're in Hebrews 11, why they're mentioned by name. Talk about their wins. Talk about the triumphs. Mm-hmm. But then go and talk about their losses. Yeah. Talk about their shortcomings. Talk about yeah. what they did that was completely an- antithetical to what God wanted them to do and to God's plan, because each one of these people have flaws that mm-hmm. are pretty glaring yeah. when you start looking at it. And you're like, well, God can use anybody. Murderers. <laughs> Literally anybody. Murderers, adulterers. Yeah. Some of the worst people, like, and he can use you. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's one of the biggest stories in the Bible is God can use all these people. He can use you for sure. Verse six. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Mm. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So we want we, to talk we, about the prosperity gospel here. Talk about the prosperity he rewa- gospel. He rewards those. What does that, like with money, right, Brad? No. Oh. No. Oh. Definitely not with money. Oh, okay. With hardships and trials, actually. <laughs> uh, quite the opposite, if you think about it. If you read the rest of scripture, it is definitely quite the opposite. After Noah survived the flood, he was the richest man in the world because of faith. Come on, Brad. He was also the only person in the world for, well, the yeah. one of only eight, I think, right, that right. had survived. Mm-hmm. So it was a very low bar in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it it is, like like Simon alluded to, like we've talked about at the beginning of this, we can't eliminate faith. Yeah. Because without it, we can't please God. There's, stop trying to. Stop trying to eliminate faith. I mean, you the, you have to come to a point where you say, there are things I am not going to understand this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. And there are, th- there are answers I'm not going to have. You know, he made a joke about Calvinism at the beginning of this. <laughs> and, you know, I have my leanings. Simon has his leanings. I honestly think at the end of end of this whole thing, we'll get to heaven and be like, okay, we were both wrong on, these, on some of these issues. Right. And, and yeah. neither one of us had it figured out. Yeah. There's a pretty famous clip of John MacArthur talking about this, and he's like, you know, I've studied this particular subject for 50 plus years, mm-hmm. and I'm still not 100% sure I know how right. it all works. And at some point, you just have to say, look, I, I'm not going to get all of this. I don't yeah. get it. One of my things is, why in the world did God choose to love a goofy little chunky guy from Louisville, Kentucky <laughs> enough to save him? Yeah. I'm not worthy of that. Yeah. And so that has that that's a faith thing too. Is like mm-hmm. I know I'm not worthy of that grace, that love, that sacrifice, but he did it anyway. Yeah. Even though I consistently fail him, I have to have faith that he did. Right. Because without that faith, one, it'd be hopeless. Mm-hmm. But two, I'm not going to please him. Yeah. Yeah. That that gets back to Hebrews 11. Without faith, right? We go to Corinthians 13, and like without love, we're useless. And without faith, we can't please God. So. Get those two things down. Yeah, faith, have, ho- faith, hope, and love. Yeah, if you have faith in God and you love God and people well, you'll you'll have a lot of things right. One thing we failed to mention, and and we've mentioned it before, Austin and I have talked about it, is this word hope that's in the mm-hmm. first verse. And I want to just go back to that really fast because I just thought of this because I meant to say it and forgot. We're not talking about like, oh, I hope I get this job, I hope mm-hmm. I get this new car, I hope I win the lottery tomorrow. Like, we're not talking about that. Mm-hmm. We're talking about this hope of like, I know what's coming. I know how this ends and I can't wait to get there. And I can't Mm. wait to see God's plan play out because I know it's going to. I am sure and I'm confident that this ends well for me and for us in the end, Mm -hmm. for believers in the end. Yeah. Obviously, it doesn't end well for unbelievers 
in the end, which is why we it ends rightly. Share the it ends rightly. It ends the way it should end for us, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to end yeah. end that way. But it's that hope of like God's got things under control, and nothing that happens catches him by surprise. It's a lesson that he has pounded into my head over the last couple of years and the last few months in particular. That I may not understand what's going on, but God's. He's got, he's doing something. He's working most of the time, not in our timing. And a lot of times, not in the way we want it to. Right. But it happens. Mm-hmm. And that's our hope. Yeah. Is that in the end, all things work together for the good of those who love him. In the end. Maybe not right in that moment, but at the end of this, we'll look back and we'll say, well, now it all makes sense. And man, that was worth it mm-hmm. because of what I'm experiencing yeah. right now. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I just preached a sermon on it. Hope. A little bit. The, the theme wasn't supposed to be hope, but it turned into hope. And sort of this lost in the trinity of faith and love is hope. And yeah, that's that's a great summary of it. I, I wrote down, I didn't have a verse for this, but I sort of wrote it down. And then whenever I went over the sermon notes, I was like, why did I write this down? And it was like, hope is a remedy for a weak faith, right? Like we got to give people hope. We got to just, whenever all seems lost and, and faith is dwindling, at that point, start hoping, right? Yeah. So... Anyway, got more Hebrews 11 here. Let's go 13 through 28. I'll read these and then you 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 take over once I get done. <laughs> Find something to get into. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were afraid of the king's edict. Look, that typology again there. I'm sorry, I broke off. I'm going to give my own notes a typology there. Moses was hidden in Egypt from a king that was going to, to kill him. Interesting. Interesting why that one's mentioned. Think about it. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Let's start at the beginning of that passage you read there. Yes, By I faith, want... these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. So, I mean, if you look at just practically what that looks like, mm-hmm. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, the, the, the patriarchs of the faith, none of them, not a single one of them entered the promised land. Yeah. I mean, it was hundreds of years before the Israelites would actually take possession of the land of Canaan. And yet they gave up everything because they 
had faith and they believed in the promise of God. One of the things that I found interesting that we talked about during covenant training a while back at our church was the whole institution of circumcision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how Abraham was like, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. Now hear me out. And the, you got to think, oh, <laughs> I don't know. That knife close to you. Yeah. And on top of that, like, we're not talking like 2021 where, you know, you could get put under an anesthesia and have that procedure done. We're talking like 30, 50, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 year old men with no dulling of the senses mm-hmm. having this done. But they do it because of faith. Yeah. And again, these people never saw this come to fruition. Yeah. And yet, it's wild. It's incredible. And, and that is something that in our society, we lack so much the patience to wait on God and to wait for him to do the things he says he's going to do. We may never see that. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk, I mean, just an example of that would be his second coming. Yeah. And him coming to avenge his people and set up his reign here on earth. I mean, I, I would like to think we're close to that. Yeah. But who knows? No one actually knows the answer yeah. to that question. And there is probably a better than not chance we won't see that happen in our lifetime. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. But let's just play the numbers. Yeah. Most likely it's not going to happen Yeah. The, in the, our lifetime. The disciples and the early church, like some of the fiercest persecution that Christianity all received at once, and none of them got to see the return of his kingdom. I mean, they were blessed to be there at the beginning of his kingdom. Of course. But... Well, they all thought it was going to happen. They yeah. really did, I think. I mean, I think a lot of them, especially when you have like people like Nero coming in and burning Christians alive, they thought this has to be the end, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or if you're in the Holocaust as a Christian Jew, yeah. like how could you not think that was the end? That's why whenever people are like, oh, this is the end, I'm like, you're not living in a worse time than someone else, man. You're not living in a worse time than another Christian to think this this is the end. Am I, am I saying that we're in the best times ever? Probably, maybe we are, honestly, but probably not. <laughs> but yeah, like you can't you can't point at like, oh my gosh, I had to wear a mask at the grocery store. I think Jesus is coming <laughs> back and not take shots at anyone. But like that's yeah. not that's not the persecution Jesus is talking about. Of course, uh, and this is a little bit of a tangent for sure. But the rumblings of war and rumors of war that's been happening forever. If you look at the Middle East, constant conflict in the Middle East, Europe until the last century. Yeah, every so, everything they could, they fought over. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not saying it's not close. It might be, but I'm also saying I don't know. Yeah. If you are someone who is evangelical, who who plants seeds, who who reaches out to people, you might not see that faith. You not might not see that person get baptized. You might not see the fruition of that of everyone's faith. Just have faith in the fact that you're not going to see everything that you've been a part of come to an end. The the good that comes out of it. Have faith in God that He's able to to bring someone else into their lives and and other things can happen there. So another thing that I really liked about this passage, the people who say such things show that they were looking for a country of their own. They had been thinking of the country they had left. They would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. This is convicting to, to me for sure that I oftentimes over overemphasize myself as an American. I I am too patriotic even and and I'm sure you'll have listeners that that say you can't be too patriotic. And to that I say you are emailing Brad, not me, because he's I'm not gonna look at any of the backlash. Yeah, I think as Christians, especially on the side that we probably reach more with this podcast, check yourself on that. Are you too American? Are you too patriotic on that? Are you someone who could 
easily leave this country if you were told to? Are you someone who is looking for a better country, a heavenly one, in a sense? So that's something that you have to take to heart there. And on top of that, it's it's are you willing to follow God with reckless abandon, no matter what the earthly consequences are? Yeah. You know, in Simon's example here, it could mean he is calling you overseas to to leave right. this country and go somewhere else, go somewhere where Christianity is not Grant, look, yes, the United States, as far as some of the leaders in the government, some of the institutions that are controlled by lizard people. Pretty <laughs> lizard people. No, but that are controlled by one party or or mm-hmm. just even one way of thinking. Yes, they are very hostile to Christianity. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But also, Simon and I are sitting in my in my kitchen discussing the Bible, and we have no fear that someone's going to knock on our door and come arrest us because of this. Yeah. None. There's places where we would be like, we would be treated like drug cartels. Yeah, right? like, exactly. Like and, you're and, not allowed to do this in certain countries, and they need Christ too. And exactly. we have to be willing to answer that call. So it's this picture of these people that, that have been listed previously in this passage. They left their homeland, obeyed God, and did not care what, what the outcome would be for their earthly possessions, for their earthly comforts, for their earthly, even fleshly desires, right? And what, they, what they wanted that was apart from God. Because again, our flesh is opposed to him, and we want things that are opposite of him. They did not take those into account. They just obeyed and they went. We see that all throughout the scripture. We see that in the New Testament when he's calling his disciples. They just leave their boats, leave their livelihoods, and they go follow him. Yeah. The, the rich young ruler who Jesus said, sell your possessions and come follow me, he wasn't ready to do that. He wasn't ready to abandon everything he had. He wasn't ready to ultimately potentially lose everything he had worked for, for the sake of Christ, not just for nothing, but for the sake of Christ. Yeah. Take this verse to heart here. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. If And I'm not saying that every verse can be applied to you. Maybe, maybe I am grossly misusing this verse, but think about your life for a second. Do you have an opportunity to leave your Christian walk for another life? Do you have that opportunity in your life? Is there a failsafe that if this Christianity thing falls through, you'll be on your feet doing just fine somewhere else? And... Let's let's have an honest conversation about is that a bad thing? A- and in the westernized culture, I think we do usually have that failsafe. I think a lot of western Christians if their church went belly up tomorrow, if if Christianity got outlawed, a lot of them would only be missing their Sunday mornings. Like right. are you grossly right. entangled into your religion and your faith to the point of you don't really have somewhere else to go. I have a friend who recently was talking to me as as I'm a pastor. He is in sort of a faith crisis. He's like, man, I just don't know. I'm having these questions. I'm having these doubts. Like, I just don't know how pastors do it. When you have these questions and doubts, what happens? I'm like, yeah, I can't leave. I'm kind of stuck when I have these <laughs> questions and doubts. Yeah. You're right. And uh, maybe there's something unhealthy about that, but it is awesome that like I'm so entangled in faith and brotherhood that whenever I have a faith crisis, I sort of have to go, God's going to figure this one out. Yeah. Well, that's where faith comes in. Because again, at some point, you run into these questions and these doubts where you're like, man, I, I actually don't have... Mm-hmm a firm, solid, earthly answer that's going to satisfy my earthly knowledge. I, I don't have it. I have to have faith that that in the end, God's word is true, what he says is true, what he promises is true, yeah. and I'm going to be okay mm-hmm. when this is all said and done. Yeah, May not be okay on earth, 
but I'll be okay ultimately. And, and you know, I think COVID was a big eye-opener for me on this and how much me personally, how much I relied on my fellowship with other believers and, and mm. gathering together. Granted, our church wasn't shut down very long. No. <laughs> it was a good thing. But our church was <laughs> but it but it was it was right. Those couple weeks that we were, it was like, man, this this doesn't feel right. Mm. Nothing about this feels right. You know, granted, other people had it a lot worse than we did, don't get me wrong. But like it was a struggle for a couple weeks. Yeah. I'm like, this does not feel normal. This doesn't feel okay. And not just, oh, it's out of the ordinary. It's a new thing. It's, Mm -hmm. this feels wrong (laughs) to not be able to get together with with fellow believers Mm -hmm. and not to be able to to worship as a congregation and fellowship as a congregation. And doing it online just doesn't cut it. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do it justice. It's not, it's not. It's not biblical. It's not what it was built to be. Yeah. So I I have this conversation with some other pastor friends, churches that that were shut down for a long time, and and whenever you can do online ministry, the motto that was kind of put out there by a lot of churches was, "Hey, church isn't just about the building." And now we're seeing all these churches go, "Please come back to the building." Yeah. <laughs> and that is true in a grand yeah. sense. The church is not just the yeah. building. Like that is absolutely true. We are the church mm-hmm. as as believers. We yeah. the big C. We are the church, but we are supposed to get together. Now that yeah. can mean get together in homes, house mm-hmm. churches. That's a whole New Testament was yeah. a house church, right? Yeah, they didn't have these be. mega church buildings that thousands mm-hmm. of people traveled miles and miles and miles mm-hmm. to get to. They had house churches within their little towns that were walking distance that were easily accessible to the people, you know, in that community. Yeah, so. I'm not saying it has to be in the four buildings of a church by any means, but you got to get together. You got to. Yeah. So that leads to the next question of if we get to a situation like the churches in Canada, where the government was putting fences right. around them to keep people from going and meeting, mm-hmm. are we willing to go underground? Yeah. That that particular, I can't remember the name of the church, but that particular church was. And there were video servicing of them meeting in secret locations. They were getting found by drones. They were yeah. getting their phones tracked. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, wild and stuff. Wild, just, just a few hours north of us, like not even that far away. No. And are we willing to do that? If and when that ever comes to our country or, or that happens here, will we go underground and be like, no, we're going to still obey the word at all costs. Mm-hmm. Again, obeying God no matter what it costs us. Right. Yeah. I don't like. I'm sure we have are at a point where we have to plow through verses yeah. and give up a few things. Any any other passage in in Hebrews 11 that you're well, you're really. I mean, I think it's very important to point out how much time is dedicated to Abraham and Moses because really big guys. They're important people to our faith. They're, I mean, Abraham obviously is where the covenant originated mm-hmm. and where this whole thing started. Yeah. was with Abraham. And the story of redemption started, I mean, started in the garden, but as far as like the covenant between God and his people started mm-hmm. right there with Abraham. Yeah. And so I encourage you, go back, read through his story. It is an incredible story. It promised a kid. He's a hundred and something years old. His wife is in her nineties. Right. Like they finally have this promised child and God says, okay, go kill him. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, a little more eloquently yeah. than that, but God says, all right, go kill him. Yeah. Do yeah. what I say. Mm-hmm. And Abraham's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, wild. That wild makes story. sense. And I like I like how Hebrews 11 puts it. It's sort of like an explanation for a lot of these Bible stories that like we kind of like almost apologize for a lot of the Old Testament stories and Hebrews is like, "No, no, no. Here's what's sort of happening here." And like Abraham 
whenever we read the story, we're like, Abraham was fully willing to kill his son and just be done with him. Hebrews 11 is like, he thought God was going to bring his son back from the dead. Yeah. And like, we never really talk about that, but it's like, yeah, he had faith in God that he was going to bring... He didn't have faith in God that like he was going to sacrifice his son and child sacrifice was going to be a good thing. He had faith in God that God was going to do a miraculous thing after he obeyed God. And and this is sort of something that Christians deal with a lot today. Whenever you have a conviction that seems weird or out of the ordinary or just wrong, but like it's biblically mandated, it's backed up. Do you have faith that God's going to follow through on his end? Do you have faith that God is going to bless you if you stay true to his word? It's hard to. It's definitely hard to, but we have to have faith that the things that we do out of conviction and honoring and obedience to God, he's going to hold up his end. And that's what we saw from Abraham. He had faith that God was going to bring his son back from the dead. And and it's really awesome that he did. So you look at the the account in Genesis of Abraham and Isaac. After the angel stops him, mm-hmm. the angel of the Lord stops him from sacrificing Isaac, and they see the lamb caught in the thicket. Yeah, Abraham names that place the Lord will provide, and that is, it, it's such a the, the Lord will provide, three words that are mm-hmm. so profound that that's really that's how that's that's your faith, that is your hope is that the Lord will provide provides an answer provides a way out provides. I mean, at times financially, provides healing. Now, these all don't necessarily take the forms we want them to, Mm -hmm. right? By by saying financially, okay, you're not going to go buy your Ferrari, but you might be able to pay your electric bill next month Mm -hmm. because God provided someone that obeyed and and blessed you with money or, or whatever the case may be. Or, you know, health. God will provide healing. Okay, he may not provide healing this side of heaven, but if a believer dies in illness, that's the ultimate healing. Mm-hmm. Because they're with Christ, where there's no more sin, no more death, no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow. So he will provide. That is, I mean, that's that should be the core of our faith in God. And obviously, faith in Christ that He died and rose again. But that's also mm-hmm. a the Lord will provide. Yeah, He provided a sacrifice to keep us out of hell. Yeah. So anyway, I th- very important. F- read through. Abraham's story and just read, read through, through all... the Bible. Well, okay, yes. Read, read through the whole thing. Be rooted, maybe, in be the rooted, word. <laughs> read through the whole thing. Find the companion rooted podcast uh, episodes to go with it. In three years, we will have the entire Bible figured out. We'll have oh, an yeah, episode for every yeah, single absolutely. verse. That's that's our goal in three years. So Brad's laughing Ooh. out of joy. Uh, is that what it is? <laughs> so I feel like it's crippling fear anyway. of, the, uh, <laughs> anyway, of, expectations. of the expectations. We get three thousand downloads in a week. We will have a, ver- <laughs> a verse by verse podcast episode. Oh my gosh! In in which case, I am legit just going to read John MacArthur's commentary verse by verse. <laughs> That's all I'm going to do. So I, I want to get to the question you brought up. Okay. And so I'm just going to read 29 through the rest For of the, the chapter record. here. Everything that we read is more profound than the things that we say. Oh, 100%. I'm sorry to shoot down this podcast a little bit, but yeah. we're, we're going to read this because we believe this is more important. We have a discussion that is really important that we want to have, but also this is more important than what we say. So, so verse 29 through 40 through the end of the chapter here, just where we left off, it says, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel and the prophets, 
who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, they went out in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the desert and mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those witnesses being the people that had practiced their faith, which I think is important to the discussion that we're about to have. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart." A little bit of practical application right now. When you go to highlight your Bible, you're going to buy a pack of highlighters that are multicolored. Don't do that. Just buy yellow. A, B, if you do want to do that, orange, blue, and purple, throw them away. You're going to highlight with those. And then when you're on a podcast or preaching a sermon, you're going to go to read a verse. It's going to be really dark on those black words to read through orange, (laughs) blue, or purple. (laughs) Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> there we go. I was like, where is he going with this? No, I, we're not going to go through all these people that are here. And, and he, and even, <laughs> I, was about to I mean, that out, yeah. the, the author does exactly what we're doing here. It's like, we don't have time to go through all of this. What do you mean you don't have time? Are you writing this in a hurry? No, well, he might be, but I am doing this in a hurry because I got to edit it tonight. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, like, what does the author of Hebrews mean? We don't, we don't have time to talk about all these guys. You're writing, you're writing this, aren't you? Are you? But in, but you know, he makes the point like we could keep going. Like mm-hmm. there are so many examples, yeah. and and go through, read these examples of Barak, of Gideon, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, the prophets. I mean, it's incredible the things they went through, the things mm-hmm. that they endured for the sake of something they didn't even get. Right. For the sake of something that never happened in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. This is for the sake of Christ. I mean, he he is switching a little bit from the covenant of the promised land with the first group of people that he mentioned. And now the people he's mentioned after are people who have inherited the promised land. Mm-hmm. They are in Israel. They are in their, their, their kingdoms. Some of an exile, some so on and so forth. But they have realized that promise, but they haven't realized the promise of Christ yet. Right. And that's what he's foreshadowing here is they've gone through all this stuff, sawn into, beaten, flogged, mocked, scorned, killed, all these things, imprisoned for the sake of someone who hasn't even shown up on the scene yet. Yeah. At least on earth, right? The physical, Mm -hmm. you know, incarnation of God Mm -hmm. hadn't happened yet. Yeah. And yet they were willing to do all of this for him, Mm -hmm. for someone that they wouldn't meet until they got to heaven, right? Right. Until they died and didn't realize, you know, didn't know when he was going to come. They just knew he was. And they had that promise and they lived their lives to further that promise and to the hope of things unseen. Yeah. It's awesome. Awesome. (sighs) All right. We have that cloud of witnesses. The great cloud of witnesses, which is everyone he just mentioned and then all the saints that have died before us. And why that might matter to the conversation that I believe we're about to have is that the author of Hebrews... And Jesus, the man himself, does seem to treat Old Testament events 
as historical, which leads to sort of a discussion that I brought up to Brad, which we probably won't be able to fully flesh out in like five or 10 minutes. I don't know how long we have. He's looking at his watch like constantly. No, I don't no. care about the time because I'm, I'm not editing later. Looking at my watch. I'm looking at how long we've been recording. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I only listen to a podcast if it goes an hour and 20 minutes for yeah. all those future podcast makers. Anyway, how should we as Christians today treat the Old Testament. Whenever I started to become aware of this progressive Christianity as more than just like this fringe group and a much more large group of Christians and potential brothers or sisters in Christ that may not be... Not Christians, by the way. It was whenever... Throwing that out there. As a youth pastor, I'm on a, a bunch of Facebook pages that are dedicated to youth ministry. And on there, I was like, hey, I want to take my high schoolers through a bunch of classes that will keep them from not falling away from their faith when they go to college. And so sort of the premise was, I listed a bunch of things that was like, hey, send me either, like comment on here, either curriculum that I should that could go along with this stuff or other stuff that I should teach. Now, this list that include things like traditional marriage, why the Bible is is supreme or whatever it was, like like different views on, cre- like it was like cre- biblical creation, like like stuff like that. It got a lot of pushback in this group. A lot of people were like, you shouldn't teach this stuff. And then more than one comment was, you should tell kids it's okay to question their faith, which I'm not entirely like disagreeing with like, maybe it's okay sometimes to be like, hey, if you're having some questions, that's fine. But multiple times it was said the most important thing is to tell kids it's okay to question their faith. We established on here that faith is like essential to salvation. It was very odd to me. And so out of this group has come this conversation, how do we treat the Old Testament? Is it a history book? Is it a book of virtues? How should Christians treat the Old Testament? Do we have to believe it is 100% historical? What What is it? So uh, anyway, Brad, with, with that set up, yeah. answer some questions for me. So what's interesting is I'm in a class right now called Apologetics in the Old Testament, and we're discussing a lot of those issues of the historicity of Adam. Was mm-hmm. Adam a real historical figure? Yeah. And does it matter? Okay, yeah. And so for every question like that that I've had to go into and discuss, I've had pretty much the same, at least, start of an answer <laughs> of like, yes, this matters. And, and I come at it from this apologetic standpoint of, if you start picking apart things like if Adam really existed... Did the Exodus actually occur? Mm-hmm. That's a, that's when we talked about this last week. Yeah. You know, if you start picking these events out, events that are referenced in the New Testament by Paul, by Jesus, by the writer of Hebrews, then you start picking apart the entire Bible. Right. Because what happens is, it is very clear, as Simon said, the authors in the New Testament all treated, it's very clear, they treated these people as actual historical people and these events as events that actually took place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you start thinking about, okay, archaeology, this, archaeology, that. There are a lot of ans- questions there and a lot of answers there, a lot of ways you can go about mm-hmm. that. I mean, one of the ones with the Exodus was, mm-hmm. well, there's no evidence that they roamed the desert for 40 years. We don't have any archaeological evidence. Well, one of the reasons why is because they're in a flood basin, and that area floods from the Nile River, mm-hmm. I think, I can't remember if it was every year or like every few years, and it legit just wipes everything out. Mm-hmm. And so they built things that were temporary that weren't going to sustain the test of time. Right, They built structures that were made of mud and, and stuff that'll just wash away, because why would they put the effort yeah. into it when in six months it's going to be gone? So there's no archaeology of any event mm-hmm. in that time frame, Yeah, because 
it gets washed away with the water. Now, there's an element of faith there of like, hey, I have to have faith that this happened because yeah. we don't have a ton of historical evidence for this. Mm-hmm. However, if you start saying that these events didn't take place and didn't occur, then you are throwing a wrench in the entire validity of the scripture as a whole. And you're starting to lean the direction of saying, okay, I can pick and choose what I want out of the Bible, what Mm. I think is true and what I think is not. And that's where you start getting into the progressive Christianity and this deconstruction movement Mm -hmm. that says, I'll take this piece of Jesus. I like this piece, but I don't like that one. Or the God Mm. of the Old Testament seems mean. So I'm not going to go that route. I don't, I don't Mm. like that God. I like the God of the New Testament says I could do what I want. and He still loves me. Yeah. Same God guys, like the covenant's different. Mm. And so some of the ways he interacts with his people take different forms because of where we are in the covenant. It's the same God. Mm-hmm. By the way, that vengeful God, that wrathful God that that told the Israelites to kill entire countries and, and, and take out all the women, the children, the, the animals, everything breathing, kill them all, is the same God that's going to send anybody who's not covered in the blood of Christ to hell for eternity. Mm-hmm. Same God. Yeah. That wrath will still be satisfied. Yeah. It just is satisfied in the end and at, as an ultimate punishment mm-hmm. and not just a quick, hey, let's just wipe them out right now. Yeah. I came up with a argument that I almost want to call like lazy apologetics. And it's sort of like if someone is like, the scripture has errors because this part of the Old Testament didn't happen or this part of the Old Testament didn't happen. You could become an expert in why all those things happen. I think Brad just laid out a lot of great arguments for why these things happen. But like my answer to the inerrancy of scripture is I think the scripture has no error in the fact that it has described the character of God and what God wants us to see him as and know him as is perfect, like perfectly. I think it still does that perfectly, regardless of what you dismiss or choose not to dismiss from the Old Testament. I think a lot of the question is, okay, is what you throw out of the Bible or keep in the Bible a salvation issue? It seems like most Christians have started to move towards no. Is that a good movement by a lot of Christians is another question there. And then another question is, okay, are you throwing out parts of the Bible without seeing how Jesus feels about them. Like, if you don't believe there's a historical Adam, like William Lane Craig, I think, recently put out a book called Searching for the Historical Adam, because he doesn't believe in a young earth creation theology. But he even has come to grips with the fact that you can't read Jesus's, you can't read about Jesus, you can't read what Jesus says, and dismiss the fact that Jesus 100% treats Adam as a real person. And Jesus 100% treats a lot of Old Testament figures as real people. And another funny side of this is oftentimes we're get, we get told David could have never existed because there's no archaeological evidence, or this thing could never exist because there's no archaeological evidence. And then like after that happens, we find lots of evidence for David. We recently found evidence for Jericho. We recently found evidence for Sodom and Gomorrah. Oddly enough, strangely enough, like we found like almost irrefutable evidence that like something magnificent had to have happened yeah. in like a Sodom and Gomorrah-esque way. We recently found evidence for the fact that, yes, the Old Testament could have been written on a biblical timeline. So it's it's crazy that we dismiss these things because like we don't have like lots of like archaeological evidence. It's like, go search, go find it. Whenever we search for these things, we end up finding a lot of stuff yeah. and it's like, stop just tossing stuff out. Cause like history doesn't always get preserved super well. 
we're not living in a time with iPhones back then. It's like we gotta, yeah, yeah. Some of that stuff's hard to find. Well, and, and let's look at Proverbs thirty verses five and six. It says, "Every word of God is tested. He is a mm-hmm. shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words, mm-hmm. or He will reprove you, and you will be proved a liar." Yeah. Bible also talks about not taking anything away from His words. Talk about that in Revelation. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, He's talking about the prophecy, mm-hmm. but that principle still stands of like. We and we're going to get into this. This is actually something Austin and I are doing a four week series at church coming up, and and we're going to talk about that a little bit more here in a week Westboro or so. Westboro Baptist Church. What? No, uh, no. Uh, I'm just kidding. It's a, joke. it's a joke. But one of the things we're going to bring up is talking about why we believe the scripture is the scripture. Right. So the canon of scripture, mm-hmm. and that is a topic we want to dive into on this at some point. Why do we believe these 66 books? Yeah, our God ordained scripture. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is the canon closed? Yeah, right. Why are we not adding to, taken away from? Mm-hmm. And what evidence do we have to support that? There's so much evidence to support this idea that what is contained in scripture is true. Now, you look at just the Book of Exodus, and just take the Old Testament as a whole, and you say, okay, the Old Testament has different genres. Yeah. You have Psalm, a book of poetry. Right, you have Proverbs, a book of wisdom. You have wisdom literature. You have literature with prophecy, like Daniel. Mm-hmm. All right, and, and different things. You also have books that are pretty much purely historical in yeah. nature. I think the first five books would be considered that for sure, mm-hmm. among others. Yeah. But if you look at the Book of Exodus and you say, okay, that's a book of history. That is a book that is telling the history of God's people from Abraham and Moses on through to the Promised Land, or, or right up to the Promised mm-hmm. Land. But you take out the Exodus as a non-historical event, and it didn't actually happen. Yeah. You've just ruined the entire book of Exodus. Essentially, yeah. Right? Because... Yeah, it becomes a meeting where they, they find Ten Commandments, I guess. Because, okay, now... Yeah. Okay, so this is just an allegory to get to those Ten Commandments? This is yeah. just a metaphor? This is mm-hmm. some just fairy tale? You take away all that history. The genealogy of Jesus goes away at that point. Yeah. If that Exodus isn't real, then Jesus' lineage isn't real. Yeah. The book of Hebrews is null and void because the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 11, spends the good chunk of the chapter on Moses mm-hmm. yeah. and Abraham, who were or Moses specifically involved in the Exodus, but also of Abraham leading up to the Exodus. Yeah. And if you have s- struggles with, was the Exodus real? Was uh, the parting of the Red Sea real? Go back and read Hebrews 11 and read it to see what is the author saying here. Are these... Things that had to happen? Or is it, by faith, we made up this fictitious story that sounds really good? It's like, I don't say like, man, it was really brave of Steve Rogers to become Captain America. And like, <laughs> and like talk about that as a historical event. Because like, I know what's fiction. I know what's not fiction. We have to have faith that, that this writer of Hebrews, who writes one of the most magnificent and mysterious books of the Bible, a book that I grapple with and I have a hard time on it, like... I mean, we have to have faith that this guy knew something. Yeah. And, and this gets back to sort of, sort of uh, something we talked about at the beginning, which is what, what do you have faith in? Like, what do you genuinely have faith in? If we're talking about faith as a means of salvation and you can't believe in a God that part the Red Sea, you can't believe in a God that could create the earth in six days, or you can't believe in a God, or uh, uh, in six days, and as Hebrews 11 says, out of nothing, which is interesting, uh, you can't believe in a God that allowed Davis to slay Goliath, then what God do you believe in? Why couldn't he do all this stuff? 
why would we need to make up this stuff to to get to Christ? It's it's mind-boggling the the hoops that Christians are forcing themselves to jump through to say ah, maybe maybe we don't need these books. Maybe maybe we don't need these events to be true. We're just going to take these books as allegory to get ourselves to Christ or whatever it is. It's like why how does it hurt your faith if you just treat it as true? Like yeah. if we get to, if I get to heaven and God's like, oh yeah, that was all like allegory. I'll be like, cool. <laughs> it's fine. Like, I, and God's going to be like, I'm really, it's really cool that you had a lot of faith in me though, like <laughs> that you trusted all this stuff. And I'm going to be like, yeah, God, I, I, I did. And, and I that's the conversation that we have. And then I he's going to be like, you were very you simple. took you at your word. Yeah. Yeah. I took I, you at your word. Yeah. God, I just decided to have faith in what you said. If, if once your theology crumbles, because you don't think a man can be swallowed by a fish for three days, then did you have faith? Yeah. Like, just have faith in God that he's able to do miraculous and awesome things. I have a friend that's like, we're not supposed to be discussing the Old Testament in this way. We're not supposed to be discussing this in this way. We're supposed to be using it to glorify God. And and does us constantly dismissing it glorify God? I don't feel like it does. No, it doesn't. And And... Again, I, I like, you know, you're looking at it from a very kind of abstract and, and spiritual aspect of it. I come at this as a, in a logical way of saying, if if this isn't true, I can't trust anything else in here. Yeah. And it, that, that's, that's how my brain ends up going with mm-hmm. this. And like you said, when that one little piece starts to crumble, the whole foundation ends up weak. Mm-hmm. And then it just falls apart. Yeah. Because what happens is you start letting that little seed of doubt really creep in not just the normal everyday my man this i don't know right now i just don't feel it you know there, there's we all have doubts in yeah. our in our weak moments for sure mm-hmm. but you start letting that doubt really dig dig in and really start chipping away of like okay maybe adam didn't really exist or maybe you know maybe david didn't really kill a giant maybe goliath is just a metaphor for the sin of the giants in our lives which mm-hmm. by the way i hate those sermons, but that's a different story. <laughs> Everything else starts to crumble and your flesh will start to take over and say, you know what? If that's not true, this can't be true. Therefore, I can go live however I want yeah. and do what I want and then please my own fleshly desires. Because mm-hmm. it all comes back to our flesh, right? It all comes back to my flesh wants what God doesn't want. Yeah. And if I find any way to please that flesh or live that way, then I'm going to, my flesh is going to let me do it. Mm-hmm. It's going to lead me that direction. Yeah. And so... We have to have faith that God's word means what it says and that what it says is true and what it says happened. Like yeah. these things are actual events that took place. And, and I'm, I'm going to leave it with this and we'll wrap up. Yeah. One of the comments that somebody made in our discussion about the history of the Exodus and if that actually took place, she said, you know, she had had some of these questions herself and some of these struggles herself, but then she went to Israel and even the non- Messianic Jews, they affirm this. And the Jewish people, their ethnicity and their religion are are so tied together, more so than any other, I think, race or people group on this planet. The Jewish race, the Jewish faith, they're so interconnected and so intertwined. They are the most historical people, I think, as far as like caring about their ancestry Mm -hmm. than any group I can think of. And so they preserve their history they Mm. want to keep their history preserved and they want their kids to know their ancestry and their history and where they came from and that they wandered the desert for 40 years as a people group you know thousands of years ago Mm. and they affirm it 
Again, yeah. even those who are not messianic, even those who do not believe Christ is that promised Messiah, mm-hmm. affirm that what the Old Testament says, hey, this happened. Yeah. This happened to my people. And I think that in and of itself is a pretty big thing to say, hey, maybe there's something to what the Bible talks about in the Old Testament. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, I was I was really happy to discuss this passage. Something I didn't say, this was one of the first passages that my mom like tried to make us memorize as kids. Not saying I succeeded, but <laughs> I mean, I have Hebrews 11 one down for the rest of my there you life. Go. There you go. Uh, thank you, Brad, for having me yeah. on. Dude, this is uh, awesome. Great discussion. Hopefully we can get to some of those goofy ones. And oh, then, for um, sure. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully I, I'm not booed off stage and I get to come back for some of these for really sure. important conversations yeah. that we need to be having and you need to be having these conversations. Have this conversation with your pastor. Like, I dare you. Have a meeting <laughs> with your pastor and be like, if... On a scale of 1 to 100%, how much of the 66 books of the Bible is true? Like, have that conversation with your pastor. Put yeah. him on the spot. And you might be you might be shocked at what you hear. You might be appalled at what you hear. <laughs> right. Um, that actually might be a good test for if you have a little, if you have questions about your pastor's theology. You might be like, yeah. let's put him to the test here to see if he really believes yeah. this stuff. But mm-hmm. And it's good to, like, even if you don't believe 100% of the scriptures, yeah. it's really awesome to have a pastor that has faith that does believe well, it. Well, I mean... And again, this could go down a huge rabbit hole, yeah. but like, you know, Jesus spoke in parables. Mm-hmm. The stories that Jesus told weren't historical events. He was telling yeah. them as a parable. There is There are some passages in scripture that are taught as parables, and they're right. taught as stories that, to illustrate mm-hmm. bigger ideas. Yeah. I think Austin and I are going to dive into some of the parables of Jesus here soon and, and yeah. kind of start going through a lot of those. Good. Get out because of Paul, those are finally. those are cool. I love oh I love Paul though. He's Get so back good. To Jesus. Get back to Jesus. Get back to Jesus. Get back Be to better. Jesus. <laughs> Rooted in logos. Yeah. So um, pronounce your name right. It's logos. It's not logo. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back here next week, episode number sixty. Mm-hmm. Feels like that's kind of cool. Yeah. We're gonna dive into Romans sixteen and may couple it with another discussion of some sort because Romans sixteen is pretty short. It's the kind of tell your mom I said hey part of Romans yeah. uh, with a couple things in there that we can pull yada, out. Yada, yada, that one. <laughs> but No, it's all good. It's all, it's all good. It's all there for a reason. Yeah. But, you know, we'll, we'll dive into that mm-hmm. and we'll, you know, maybe discuss something else. And give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, follow us on those things. Give us a five-star review on Apple if you think about it. We, mm-hmm. I got one yesterday or, yeah, yesterday, I think. No, Saturday. Got another five-star review Saturday, so thank you to that person. That's awesome. If you leave a five-star review with a question, I'm not on this podcast all the time, so I'll make promises I can't keep. If you leave a five-star <laughs> review with a question, then they'll most likely answer it out of gratefulness for the five-star oh, review. Oh, for sure. We'll read it. We'll, yeah. we'll give you a shout-out for the... I say this because you all love answering questions. We love answering questions, yeah. and we don't get a lot of them. So yeah. do that for us. That'd be great. We want to continue to see this thing grow a little bit, and we're growing pretty slow, which is great. I'm not complaining. Yeah. We are growing slow. Uh, my plan and my hope is that once I'm graduated and actually can put a lot more time into this Mm -hmm. that I will. And we'll start really seeing this thing, hopefully with Lord willing, kind of grow beyond our group here in Lanesville, which is amazing. I love our group in Lanesville Mm -hmm. and actually have a decent sized group in California because that's where where a lot of Austin's family's from. All right, there we go. So that's pretty cool. (laughs) That's good. We're making an impact somewhere. Yeah. So, (laughs) but no, we love you guys. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you guys next week. In the meantime, stay stay rooted, rooted, potatoes. potatoes.